Hello and welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life in excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can also subscribe on Podbean, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email him at eric, E-R-I-K dot Anderson at nllutheran.com. Let's get growing. Our scripture read this morning comes to us from 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. Therefore, to keep me from being too elated, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. The word of the Lord. Well, I'm Pastor Ben. It is my honor this morning to continue our sermon series called Conversations with Jesus. And this uh, sermon series, this conversation really started a number of weeks ago now, actually all the way back in early September. And this is what happened. On National Back to Church Sunday, I challenged you guys to ask any question, any question was fair game, that you would ask Jesus if you could sit down with Jesus and have a cup of coffee with him. What was the question that you would ask Jesus that was weighing on your heart? And I let you guys do this in an anonymous fashion. So it didn't even matter what you asked. And over the course of the last five weeks, that's exactly what we've been doing. We've been taking the questions from you to guide this sermon series and using God's truth, God's word to answer those questions as if Jesus was answering them himself because he is truly answering them through his word. Now, I've hoped you've enjoyed this sermon series. I know I have been just radically impacted by it myself, and I don't want you to miss out on any of it. And so if this is your first time, welcome. But I do ask something of you. If you enjoy today and you want to dig deeper into it, you actually can go to our website or you can get connected to our podcast and you can listen to all the previous messages and get the, the whole sermon series. Or if you're stepping in this week, but maybe you were sick or traveling or something in the past, I don't want you to miss out because it might have been that week when we answered your specific question that you've been waiting to hear from God or you wanted to know the answer to that question. So go back, get connected and, and catch up. Because next week, we're going to bring this sermon series to a close. But today, we're going to steam ahead. And so as we continue to move forward, this is what I need you to do. I need you to imagine it's Saturday morning. It's about 6 in the morning, still dark outside, but you are wide awake. And your whole family is asleep. Now, for you, you're actually enjoying this because there's peace and quiet. And you can do whatever you want to do. And so you sneak out of the house, you jump in your car, you go down to your favorite coffee shop, and as you pull up, you open the door and something very strange is happening. You can hear a crowd. 
you can hear a, a number of, of voices all speaking, and there's just this excitement in the air, which is so bizarre because it's early in the morning, and typically you are the only one downtown on a Saturday morning at this point in time. And you've checked the newspaper. There's nothing going on, right? There's no events. And so it's just bizarre. And so you get out of the car and you go around the corner. And, and sure enough, there's a big, long line out of your coffee shop, which this never happens because if you're honest, the coffee there isn't even very good. It's normally just you and a muffin and a coffee. So you do what we all do. You get in line, right? You're trying to be a good person. So you're going to wait your turn. And the crowd is just kind of buzzing. And so finally, your curiosity gets the best of you. And so you tap on the person in front of you and they turn around and you say, what is going on? Why are all of you here at my coffee shop? And they turn around and they look at you and say, haven't you heard? Haven't you been on Instagram today or Facebook or Snapchat? Haven't you turned on your TV or updated anything online? Haven't you been on your computer? Everyone knows Jesus is here. Jesus is actually in this coffee shop and he's willing to answer any question that we might ask. Now, this isn't that surprising to you, but the surprising part is that over the past five weeks, you've been having conversations with Jesus, but no one else has taken notice of him. No one else has seen him. So this is the first time that everyone is in the loop. But you feel pretty good. You've had some great conversations with Jesus. And so the person says to you, if you want to, though, you can just sneak around. If you don't have a question, you don't have to wait in line, just go ahead and get your coffee. And you think, we've had enough conversations. I think I'm good. And you make your way around the crowd. You get your coffee. And as you're about to walk out, Jesus looks at you and says, come on, just come sit by me. And so you make your way over. You, you sit next to Jesus. And then you just start listening. And it almost makes you feel uncomfortable because people are being so candid and so transparent and they're sharing their, their struggles and concerns and you're just kind of sitting there listening. And as question after question after question after question comes in, you begin to see a pattern and you hear all these concerns and, and, and all this heartbreak. But what you hear over and over and over again is a simple question, this unifying question. Jesus, how come, even though I believe, how come, even though I have faith, how come, even though I was baptized, how come, even though I go to church, how come, even though I, I've prayed to you, I've committed my life to you, Jesus, even though that's the reality that I live in, why do I still struggle with sin? Why do I still struggle with addiction? And as person after person after person comes by, they all ask the same question with their unique sin attached, their unique addiction attached. The person comes and they say, Jesus, why do I still lie? Why do I still steal? Why do I, I still eat too much? Why am I still addicted to pornography? Why do I still struggle with alcohol and drugs? Why do I still struggle with lust and pornography and attractions that I don't feel like I should have. Jesus, why do I still struggle? Now, Jesus, he's been sitting there the entire time, and he's just been listening to the questions, but he's never actually given an answer. And when everyone finally gets into the room, he just kind of lets the moment sit. And there's silence. And people are waiting to hear what he has to say. 
And he looks at the crowd and he says, who told you that when you believed in me, that you wouldn't sin anymore? Who told you that when you had faith in me, that you wouldn't struggle anymore, that you wouldn't have addictions anymore? Haven't you read the Bible? The Old Testament is filled with people who have great relationships with my father and they still sinned. They still struggled. They still made horrible mistakes. The New Testament is my story. And I walked with my disciples for three years. We had breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They watched me every moment of my life. And they struggled. They still sinned. They still denied me. So what makes you think that you would be any different? And then he kind of just lets that sit there. And you begin to understand. He says, you remember Paul, right? The apostle Paul, and everyone kind of nods. He says, I'm going to tell you Paul's story. And so he begins. Therefore, to keep me from being too elated. Now, this is Paul talking now. This is the apostle Paul talking to a church in Corinth and ultimately to us today. He starts off by saying, look, God is allowing something to happen to me. And its purpose is to keep me from being too elated, to not allow me to get too prideful. You see, this is what Paul knows, and this is what you know. If you are really good at something, it might be athletics or academics, or it might be just how successful your business has been. Whatever it might be, wherever we find our success, naturally pride creeps in. We get, we get prideful about who we are and what we can do. And if anyone was going to struggle with this, it'd be Paul. Paul was amazing. I mean, Paul wrote a majority of the New Testament. Paul was a missionary to pretty much the whole known world at that point in time. And not only was he a missionary, but he self-funded his mission, which means he worked from day to night to pay to share the gospel. He took every opportunity to share God's word. And not only that, but he had an amazing story. You see, he actually was an enemy of the Christians. He was a persecutor of the Christians. He wanted to wipe Christianity from the face of the earth, whatever means necessary, including killing off the Christians. But he had this amazing moment with Jesus and his life was radically transformed. If anyone could struggle with pride and even justify it, it would be Paul. But this is what he says. A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. So Paul says, God is using something in my life to keep that pride at bay, right? To not let me think too highly of myself. And he begins to share what's going on. He says, it's like a thorn, right? You get a thorn, you grab that rose bush or you grab that, that barberry bush, right? And you have that thorn, it's in your hand. Maybe you step on something, And it's just a constant irritant and you can't pull it out and you forget about it sometimes, but then all of a sudden you grab something or you hit something and all of a sudden there's that throbbing pain once again. You see, when I lived in New Mexico, I I ran into something like this. I learned a hard lesson in New Mexico. They have this horrible, horrible weed. It's called the goat head. It looks like a a little Satan attached to a, a, a plant. And so I didn't think much of it. People had talked about it, but I, I didn't really think much of it. And so I did the most Midwestern thing of anyone. I took my shoes off and I walked outside barefoot, which up here means absolutely nothing. In New Mexico, this is the worst decision you can possibly make. And I walked and I carried the garbage out to the trash can 
put the garbage in, and then I stepped into a patch of goat heads. Think of, like I said, a little head with two sharp thorns on top. Stepped onto that. It hurt. So what did I do? Shifted my weight to the other foot. And then I got more thorns in that foot. And then as I asked people who lived in the Southwest, I said, what do I do? And they said, you can't do anything. You just got to wait for them to come out of your foot. And so for months, I was hobbling around church and it was a horrible, horrible experience. And Paul says, this is what he is dealing with. There's something that's nagging on him that he can't get rid of. It's a constant irritant. And then he gets really even more specific. He says, it's from Satan. It's a messenger of Satan. What's his purpose? To torment me. You see, Satan, his primary strategy is to use sin in your life to destroy you. So Paul says, look, this is what Satan's doing. Satan is using something deep inside of me to torment me. His goal is to destroy me. Now, we don't know exactly what that is, and people debate about it, but it's some sort of sin or addiction or something that he can't quite get rid of. A constant battle in Paul's life that even though he has so much success, even though he walks so close with Christ, it's still something within him that's difficult, that's hard. In fact, Paul in his other writings, he calls himself the chief of sinners, and he makes a statement that you can probably resonate with. He says, what I want to do, I can't do. And what I know I shouldn't do, I do. Right? He battled this ongoing battle with sin. Now, why did God allow this in Paul's life? Paul tells us. It was to keep me from being too elated. Right? Paul knew that God allowed this in his life so he understood that he still needed Jesus. He still needed Christ's power in every segment of his life. It kept the pride at bay because he always knew that he needed Jesus to get through each and every day. Well, Paul continues. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. So Paul says, hey, look, there's a thorn, there's this issue, there's a sin, there's this addiction, there's a struggle within me that I hate. I don't want it. I want it to go away. So he says, I appealed three times. I went to God and I said, take this away. And you've probably done something like this before, right? Maybe you have a sin or addiction or some behavior that you don't want in your life. And so what do you do? I'm going to commit to going to church every weekend, right? I'll go to church every weekend. I'll read my Bible an hour a day. I'm going to pray three times a day. I'm going to fast. I'm going to do it all to make God happy. And if I make God happy, then he's going to take this from me. This is what Paul says he did. I appealed, I prayed, I fasted. I did whatever God wanted me to do, or at least what I thought God wanted me to do. And I appealed to him three times, but he didn't take it away. This is God's response to Paul. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. So God's response is, I'm not going to take that from you, but I'm going to be there with you through this, through this struggle, through this difficulty. And I want you to know that my grace is good enough. My forgiveness is good enough. This relationship is good enough. If you have nothing else and you have my grace, that is good enough. That is sufficient. And Paul tells us why. For power is made perfect in weakness. See, Paul began to see in his life and saw in other people's lives that God uses our weaknesses to display 
his power. Now, how can that possibly be? Well, Paul tells us. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. So Paul says, because God uses my weaknesses, I'm going to talk about my weaknesses. And he doesn't just say, talk about them. He says, boast about them, which makes me so uncomfortable and probably makes you feel so uncomfortable because that's not how we're told to act, are we? Right? In American Christianity, we don't do this. We don't boast about our weaknesses. We hide our weaknesses. We want to look good because we're afraid that somebody else at church or our neighbor will judge us if we're honest and open about the difficulties that we have deep inside of us. All things that we, we shoved to the side and, and wanted to hide to look good, we don't want to put them on display. Because what will people say if we do that? In fact, the number one reason that people don't go to church, at least this is what they say, is because they don't go, want to go to a place where they're going to feel they're going to be judged. Right? Their fear of going to church is if, if I'm transparent about my weaknesses, people will look down on me. But Paul operates very differently. He says, so I boast... I brag about my weaknesses. I put them on full display and I shout off the rooftops about my struggles. Now, why would he do this? What would this accomplish? Well, this is what he says. So that the power of Christ may dwell in me. See, Paul's going to let his struggles and his weaknesses be utilized by Christ. In fact, when I do pre-marriage education before uh, we do marriages here at New Life, the first session, I always open up with this. I tell them about my first year of marriage, which to be completely honest for all of you, it was horrible. The fact that my wife didn't leave or that I didn't leave was an absolute miracle. And we talk about that. Now it's great. I mean, I love my wife dearly. I love my family dearly. But man, God had to work in that first year to keep us together. The reason I share that is even though I'm not proud of that, I boast in that weakness because God got us through. And it also opens up this, this avenue and this opportunity for them to be honest with me. You see, when we're honest to people, they can be honest with us. And we, when we boast about our weaknesses, we're honest about our weaknesses, our struggles, our difficulties, our addictions, guess what happens? It creates an opportunity for someone with the same issues to talk to us for us to care for each other, for us to move forward together, to support each other. That's what this does. Well, Paul continues. Therefore, I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. Paul says, I am willing to take it all. You want to make fun of me? Fine. You want to hurt me? Fine. I don't care. Throw it all at me. I don't care because it's what Christ wants that I want. And I'm willing to deal with anything for the cause of Christ. And then he closes with this. For whenever I'm weak, then I'm strong. Once again, Paul reiterates, when I'm weak, when I'm open, when I'm honest about my weaknesses, that's when you see the power of Christ in me. That's when you see Christ work in me. That's when Christ can do what he wants to do in our lives. So we're back at the coffee shop and the crowd has just heard Christ's response and they are dead quiet. But you can feel this amazing sense of relief in the room. You see, for the first time in many of these people's lives, they understand 
that even though they struggle and even though they fight and even though they still have addictions, that Jesus still loves them, that he still cares for them, that his grace is still enough, that he still is in a real relationship with them, even though they have these weak points in their life. And as you can see that relief overwhelming people, there's tears running down their face. There's people hugging in the corner. And then Jesus takes this moment to teach. He says, I want you guys to understand something. What Satan uses to destroy you, God uses to redeem you. What Satan uses for destruction, God uses for redemption. And he says, look at my life. I came, God in flesh, I I walked among you, I I grew up in front of you, and I started my ministry, and I spoke to people, and the crowds gathered, I did miracles, and more people showed up, and I spoke the truth to anyone who would listen. And Satan didn't like that one bit. So he made a plan to destroy me, and he turned the hearts of some of the people against me, and he had them work with Rome to put me on a cross a symbol of destruction. And I died. And Satan thought he had won. But what Satan wants to use for our destruction, God uses as a tool for redemption. And God took that cross, a Roman symbol of power and destruction and death, and turned it into a symbol of hope. For us to know that Christ is with us. There's an opportunity for us to have a real relationship through Christ's work on the cross with our Heavenly Father. And a promise to us that no matter what our struggle is, no matter what our addiction is, no matter if it never goes away and we have it this whole life, that Christ is going to be walking with us through that addiction every step of the way. An additional promise that for those who are in Christ, those who believe, those who have faith, That in the end, when we go on to the next life, when we go to heaven, God's going to take those struggles, those addictions, those failures, and remove them from our lives. (laughs) 